0: Due to the graphic nature of this murder case, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes dramatizations and discussions of murder and assault that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Now, enjoy the show.
1: Whoa. Do you see that? What? There's a girl running alongside the highway.
2: Oh my god! Is that car chasing her?
1: Must be her dad trying to get her back in the car. I really hope he catches up to her before she gets hurt.
2: Oh John, she's not wearing any pants. What if that's not her dad? I mean, what if she's in trouble?
1: Babe, come on.
2: She's half naked, John.
1: She could be mentally ill, we don't know. It's rude to speculate.
2: I don't care. I think we should turn around.
1: Where? There's no place to turn around on this stretch.
2: It really looked like she was afraid.
1: What do you want to do? Chase them down? Cause an even bigger scene? Poor guy's having enough trouble as it is trying to make sure she doesn't run into traffic. I guess you're right. I just feel like we should help. If we were on the opposite side of the street, maybe.
2: Well, I hope someone else stops.
1: I'm sure they will. We're not the only ones seeing this.
0: This is Unsolved Murders True Crime Stories. You're listening to our first episode on The Alphabet Murders, which have also been referred to as the Double Initial Murders. If you want to hear our investigation into other cold cases, you can listen, subscribe, and write reviews on your favorite podcast directory. You can also listen through our website, parcast.com, spelled P-A-R-C-A-S-T.com. I'm your host, Carter Roy.
3: And I'm your host, Wendy McKenzie.
0: Today, we start our examination of a string of slangs in the early 1970s that put Rochester, New York into national headlines for years.
3: But it may have been the first headline that brought the people of Rochester the most shame.
4: Girl slain after 100 drivers, ignore plea. Apathy
5: abounds as motorists ignore girl. Hundreds saw, Carmen. No motorists stopped.
0: So why didn't anyone stop?
3: The simple answer is that in 1971, most people just didn't expect anything sinister was going on when they saw 10-year-old Carmen Cologne running away from a car on the shoulder of I-490 West.
0: Of the passers-by who came forward later, most believed that the vehicle in pursuit was Carmen's parent or guardian, that she was having some kind of tantrum or breakdown and defiantly left the safety of the car, or that maybe the car had pulled over so she could go to the bathroom.
3: And if the scene did raise some eyebrows, remember that in the 70s, there were no cell phones. And the fact that the motorists were going 70 miles an hour on a freeway made it inconvenient for anyone to find a place to call for help. The freeway sightings would be the last time anyone saw Carmen Cologne alive.
0: Carmen's family had moved from their native Puerto Rico to Rochester when Carmen was five. Carmen spoke Spanish as her first language and, as a result, was put in remedial classes at school.
3: The 10-year-old was one of six children in the Cologne family. At the time of her disappearance, she was living with her grandparents.
0: And because the Colones didn't live in a great neighborhood, her grandfather Felix typically accompanied her when she went out. Papa
3: Felix,
2: vamos. Let's go, let's go!
3: On November 16, 1971, Carmen's mother, Kisermina, needed medicine for Carmen's baby stepsister. Perhaps eager to please her mother, Carmen decided not to wait for her grandfather and went to the pharmacy alone.
6: Next! Next! Didn't someone ring the bell? Hello. Oh, sorry. I didn't see you there, young lady. Guess I'm used to a taller customer. What can I do for you?
7: I need to get this
2: medicine, please.
6: Do you have one of your parents' insurance cards?
2: Yep, right here.
6: All right. I'll need some time to process the prescription, but it should be ready in about half an hour. You can wait here if you like. I think we have some children's books.
2: Um, actually, I have to go. I'll be back.
0: (laughs) Carmen would not be back for the prescription. When she wasn't home by 5 p.m., Carmen's grandparents and mother grew concerned and sent family members out to look for her.
3: The police assembled a team of 40 officers to look for Carmen, a door-to-door sweep of the Bullshead neighborhood.
0: Unfortunately, since no one who passed Carmen on the I-490 around 5.30 reported seeing her, the search party had no idea that Carmen wasn't in the Bullshead neighborhood at all.
3: It wasn't until two days later that the drivers who ignored the scene on the freeway were informed of the gravity of their mistake. Race you to the creek. You're on.
7: Jimmy, come on. You're not even trying.
2: Hold on. Do you see that thing over there? Where? Down there in that ditch.
7: Huh. Oh, well, looks like someone dropped a doll. I better go take a look. Maybe it's one of yours.
2: Very funny.
4: Uh, what is it, J-
7: Jimmy? You, you should go get your dad.
0: Medical examiners determined Carmen was the victim of sexual assault before she was brutally strangled. She was found wearing nothing but a purple sweater, socks, and sneakers.
3: Two hundred mourners attended Carmen's funeral. Murder wasn't new in Rochester in the 70s, but this was different. This was a little girl who was snatched off the street. A little girl whose rapist and murderer could be anyone.
0: All hands were on deck to find Carmen's killer. There was a sense in the Rochester community that justice needed to be found. Perhaps Rochester wanted to redeem itself for the inaction that occurred on the freeway.
5: Can you help catch a killer? Rewards for information total $6,000. No clue is too small. Your identity will be kept secret.
0: There's a man at my workplace. I've always suspected may be a sexual deviant.
3: My daughter went to school with Carmen and she said Carmen was one of her teacher's favorite students. You never know what that could mean.
7: One of our neighbors is an older man who sometimes comes over to play ball with my kids. I used to think it was innocent, but now I'm not so sure.
2: Well, I think you should look no further than the father. Carmen's father? It's always the father.
3: Carmen's father is deceased, ma'am. With no useful evidence from the crime scene and only suspicions to go off of, police interviewed known sex offenders, neighbors, and teachers.
0: In terrified parents' minds, Carmen's murder cast doubt on anyone and
5: everyone. Sergeant Crowe, I just finished interviewing Suspect 142.
6: Which one was that again?
5: School custodian.
6: Right, anything?
5: I uh, was at an AA meeting spanning the estimated time of murder. The only thing he's guilty of is alcoholism. Here's
6: the interview transcript though. I'll file it. Christ, how thick is that binder? We stuffed the first one, this is the second.
0: Most of the tips from the witness line yielded nothing, but every one of them was checked out.
3: Besides those who saw Carmen on the freeway, the most helpful tip came from someone who said they thought they saw Carmen get into a car near the drugstore, apparently without struggle.
0: Detectives believe this meant the killer was someone she already knew.
3: After two months of interviews and nothing really to show for it, the trail was growing cold. A local organization called
0: Citizens for a Decent Community had the idea to put up billboards with Carmen's picture on them to renew interest in the case.
3: The billboards were the first of their kind to advertise a murder case and received widespread
1: attention. Rochester County Sheriff's Department. Is
7: this the, uh, uh, witness line?
1: Yes, sir. Detective DeRosa speaking.
7: The poster said I don't have to reveal my identity.
1: Mm, Not unless you want to. It's completely confidential.
7: Well, I'm friends with, well, acquainted with, a a man who said he did something bad and and needed to leave the country.
1: (sighs) I see. Any have reason to believe it was related to the Carmen Cologne case? Uh,
7: his words were, he's at Algo Mall in Rochester. I did something wrong in Rochester.
1: What was the name of this person?
7: Miguel Colon.
1: Miguel
0: was both Carmen's uncle and her common law stepfather.
3: And he had indeed recently left the country.
4: So detectives decided to pursue. Detective Clark? Detective DeRosa, get me a stenographer and a translator and pack your bags. We're going to Puerto Rico. Local newspapers ran headlines on the manhunt
0: for an unidentified suspect in San Juan.
3: Which San Juan newspapers quickly reproduced in Spanish before District Attorney Lazarus and his men even arrived.
4: Can you ask if he has any idea of his cousin's whereabouts?
3: The translator did, and according to Miguel's cousin, he had fled and was armed.
4: That's
0: right for the entire week detectives were in San Juan, Miguel hid in the
3: jungle. They flew back empty-handed.
1: He can't possibly spend much more time in there. What do we know? The bastard could spend the rest of his life eating kumquats in the damn jungle, sleeping in the dirt and wiping himself with banana leaves. i take that over life in prison.
5: I have an idea, but I don't know how ethical it is. All of his closest family's still in Rochester, so let's say we detain Candida Cologne.
1: You wanna put his mom in jail?
5: We'll get the Democrat and Chronicle to run a story that we're gonna hold her until he comes back. We could get it all over news media. The Democrat and Chronicle does owe
4: us a hefty favor for jumping the gun on the Puerto Rico trip in the first place.
0: Unorthodox as it may have been, the detective's plan worked. Miguel turned himself in at a San Juan police station and flew back to Rochester for questioning. They finally had their prime suspect.
3: Police detectives, including District Attorney Lazarus and Detective Patrick Crow, interrogated Cologne into the wee hours of the morning.
6: Mr. Cologne, do you recognize this item? Uh, it's a doll. We found this under the backseat of your car. This is Carmen's doll, isn't it?
5: It might be hers, or one of her sister's. What was it doing in your car? They must have forgotten it. I'm their uncle. I have given them rides before.
4: When was the last time you gave Carmen a ride?
5: I'm not sure. Guillermina asks me to drive the kids to school from time to time. Or to some appointments. If you had
4: to guess, around when was Carmen last in your car?
6: Oh, I don't know. The summer, maybe? We couldn't help but notice the car had recently been scrubbed clean. Why is that?
5: I just like to keep a clean car.
4: Yet you never noticed
5: the doll? I meant to leave it in my car so I could return it to my niece.
6: I, I forgot about it. How often would you say you drive your car? I drive to work every day. So it slipped your mind to return Carmen's doll every single day since she was last in your car during the summer? I forgot it was there. I wish now I had remembered. The interrogation lasted six
0: hours, but Miguel maintained his innocence throughout questioning.
1: The guy leaves the country and arrives in Puerto Rico two days after Carmen's body was found?
6: Yeah. Said his aunt was sick.
1: As soon as he hears he's being pursued, he hides in the jungle for a week?
6: He said he wanted to be in nature to clear his mind. With a gun. So he could hunt small animals. With a shotgun. It's legal in Puerto Rico.
1: And he left his sick aunt to go on a spirit journey? She was feeling better by that time. Yet he didn't return to his grieving family to attend his murdered niece's funeral. Flights were too expensive. But... He didn't bother to pick up his check from work before he left. That's why he was strapped for cash.
0: But DeRosa and Crow were told by their superior that all the evidence was circumstantial. They didn't really have enough to hold him.
3: Then they were told they could take him in for a polygraph.
6: There's no doubt in my mind, he's the guy.
3: But Miguel passed the lie detector test. A polygraph measures physiological
0: responses including blood pressure, pulse, respiration, and skin conductivity it can be inaccurate.
3: A confident sociopath, for example, may pass a lie detector with flying colors if they're practiced enough at lying to stay calm while they're doing it.
0: Today, two-thirds of the scientific community dismisses polygraphs as pseudoscience.
3: And so, without any concrete evidence, Chief Charato made the call to let Miguel go.
0: But, lo and behold, there was one other promising suspect also from the Head neighborhood. His name was James Barber, and get this, he also coincidentally skipped town shortly after Carmen's murder. He left his job without notice and didn't take any of his belongings with him.
3: More significantly, there was an outstanding warrant on Barber for the sexual assault of a 15-year-old girl in Ohio.
0: The day Carmen was murdered, on Barber's time card at work, he had penciled in his work hours instead of punching in with the automated system, as per usual.
3: Police investigated, but they had even less evidence on Barber than they did on Miguel.
0: As the case grew cold, Rochester parents' gripping fears began to dissipate, but they wouldn't be gone for long.
3: We'll return to our story in just a moment.
0: And now, back to Unsolved Murders.
3: 17 months after Carmen's murder, a spunky 11-year-old redhead named Wanda Walkowicz and her younger friend were walking near the railroad tracks about a block away from home.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Miss Susie had a steamboat. The steamboat had a bell. The steamboat went to heaven. Miss Susie went to Hello operator, please give me number nine. And if you disconnect me, I'll kick you from behind the refrigerator. There was a piece of glass. Miss Susie sat upon it and cut her little (laughs) Wanda and cut her little. Wait, shh for a second. Why? I think someone's following us. I don't see anyone. They just went in the bushes. Ugh, It's probably my dumb brother. I don't think so. Let's just keep walking. Who's there? Kimmy, shut up. I think it's a man. When I say run, we should run home as fast as we can. Wanda, I'm getting really scared. Just, just pretend it's a track race. We can make it. We're the two fastest girls in our grade. I know, but... On my cue. On your mark, get set,
3: go...
0: The girls ran to safety and told Wanda's friend's mother what had happened.
3: She reported it to the police, and they searched the area, but to no avail. Neither girl got a good look at the man's face. All they noticed was that his shoes had buckles on them.
0: Teachers and classmates described Wanda as streetwise, smart and happy, with an infectious energy.
3: Her father had passed away when she was younger, and as a result, her single mother struggled to make ends meet. Wanda and her 10-year-old sister, Rita, were responsible for doing various errands for their mother.
0: On April 2nd, 1973, two days after being chased by the unidentified man, Wanda was sent to the Hillside Delicatessen three blocks from her house with a grocery list from her mother.
4: Miss Wanda, it's a wet one out there, isn't it? Sure is. Oh, I've heard very good things about these cupcakes. Special occasion?
2: My sister's birthday is tomorrow.
4: Oh, well, tell her happy birthday for me.
2: Um, can you speed up a little? I'm kind of in a hurry.
4: Oh, yes, ma'am. You're a busy young woman. Uh, total comes to $6.76. Would you like me to charge it to your mother's account? Uh, yes, please. Thanks. You got it? That bag might weigh more than you do. I'm pretty strong. (laughs) all right then.
3: Have a good rest of your day. When Wanda didn't return home soon after, her mother sent Wanda's younger sister, Rita, and a schoolmate to check for Wanda at some friends' houses, and then the deli. At 7.45, two hours after she had last seen her eldest daughter, Joyce Walkowicz called the police to report Wanda missing and then return to the deli herself. Joyce, is everything okay? Rita said Wanda was here.
4: What time did she leave? Around 5.15, maybe 5.30. She hasn't come home yet?
2: Well, obviously not. Did you see which way she turned when she left?
4: Uh, yes, she uh, she went right, uh, back toward home. Uh, could she have gone to a friend's?
2: We've checked her friend's house. She isn't there.
4: Uh, maybe the playground?
2: It's raining. Why the hell would she go to the playground with all those groceries? Why would she go anywhere but home? We've looked at every single store on this goddamn street. We're looking in parks. We're looking in alleys.
4: <laughs> oh, Joyce
2: she's such a good girl she wouldn't make me worry like this what if something happened
0: joyce was taken to the hospital and treated for shock as a massive search party of police and neighbors scoured the streets for wanda
3: in addition to the store clerks wanda was seen leaving the deli by a patron in the tavern across the street
0: on the corner of the block three of wanda's friends had also witnessed wanda after she left the deli She was a block behind them leaning against a fence and struggling to get a better grip on the grocery bag but she was a ways back and it was raining so they didn't wait for her to catch up
3: when they looked back again wanda and her bag of groceries were gone and so was the brown car they had seen a moment earlier heading in wanda's direction
0: the next day happened to be rita Walkowicz's 10th birthday but needless to say no one was celebrating After a sleepless night, the Walkowicz family spent the morning gathered around a police scanner.
3: The body of a young girl was discovered by authorities at a rest area, Access Road in Webster. It was Wanda. A medical examiner was called to the scene and determined that, like Carmen, Wanda had been raped and strangled.
0: Wanda was found fully clothed, although she appeared to have been redressed.
3: It's likely Wanda had been abducted in a car as Webster is 10 miles from Wanda's home, a distance she hardly could have walked.
0: Detectives at the scene said it looked as though her body had been tossed from the car as the killer drove by. Besides cause of death, there were several other similarities in Carmen and Wanda's murders.
3: Wanda and Carmen were around the same age and were from single-parent Roman Catholic families and impoverished living situations.
0: Their bodies were both found on seldom-trafficked side roads that drift from a highway, each about 10 miles from their homes.
3: They both disappeared while running errands for their mother around the same time of day.
0: Still, police initially doubted the slayings were related. But just in case the two murders were related, Detective Clark from the Monroe County Sheriff's Department, who had worked on the Cologne case, was now assigned to the Walkowicks investigation.
3: The autopsy revealed that Wanda had eaten custard shortly before she was killed. But Wanda left home with no cash and didn't purchase it at the deli.
0: Her mother specifically told police that Wanda had a nervous stomach and never would have accepted food from a stranger.
3: She also said that Wanda would not have gotten into a stranger's car under any circumstances. In fact, she relayed a time when a family friend offered her a ride when it was raining, and Wanda refused.
0: So either A... Wanda knew her abductor well enough to accept the ride and the custard.
3: B. She recognized the person as an authority figure worth trusting, like a policeman, fireman, or someone dressed as such.
0: Or C. She was threatened or forced into the car.
3: Which leaves people Wanda knew, authority figures, and your run-of-the-mill child murderers.
0: There is one thing we do know for certain about our killer. He's a pedophile.
3: As with the Cologne case, a witness line was established and a reward offered in the paper for information.
0: Hundreds of tips were called in, and the police followed up on each one, no matter how insignificant it may have seemed.
3: One tip regarded a family friend who had played cards with Wanda for several hours the night before.
0: Another revolved around an elderly man who had once offered Wanda and her friend a dime for kisses in a playground.
3: Those examples were just tiny drops in the bucket. The community was scared and no one was above suspicion, which meant that, basically, anyone with some sort of connection to the victim was investigated.
6: Detective Clark! Oh, Jesus. Do you have time for a couple of questions for the Democrat and Chronicle?
5: No, but you can continue walking me to my car.
6: The tipster you appealed to, did they end up calling back? Unfortunately not. Any other new leads? Nothing worth reporting. Surely you must have something. It's been a week. During which time we've interviewed suspects around the clock. You gotta give me something. The public's getting antsy. I'm well aware. We've been flooded
5: with calls from parents reporting any little thing that seems suspicious. Yesterday, we got a call about a man winking at a young girl. And? Turned out it was just a wink. And dad'll make a habit of it. Two weeks after
0: Wanda's murder, the witness line would receive another tantalizing tip. A gas station attendant reported seeing a man in a green Ford Pinto that night with a girl in his car who was crying and seemed like she was trying to get out.
3: Police appealed to the driver in the paper, hoping he'd come forward to clear his name.
0: But no one ever did. Meanwhile, the reward fund grew to $9,600, which, uh, adjusted for inflation, would be 50 grand today.
3: You would think that if there were a secret harbored among the neighbors of lower middle class Conkey Avenue, that would be enough to tease it out of them.
0: Leaflets were distributed door-to-door throughout the neighborhood, urging people to call in if they had any information, no matter how insignificant it seemed.
3: As if it wasn't already pretty apparent to the community at large that the hunt for Wanda's killer was steadily growing colder as the days grew warmer. Our story will continue in a moment. Now, our story continues.
0: The next and final girl to disappear was 11-year-old Michelle Mayenza. Michelle was often teased and picked on by her classmates for being overweight, and as a result was a shy girl who tended to befriend kids a little younger than herself.
3: According to a blog written years later by a classmate, Michelle was put into detention for an incident in the schoolyard. A girl and her friends tormented Michelle for accidentally knocking over a sandcastle that they had built. Things escalated and Michelle got angry stomping on the rest of the castle, which got her into trouble.
0: Now, normally it was routine for Michelle's mother to walk Michelle and her younger sister home from school. But November 26, 1973 was a special circumstance.
3: Because Michelle had been sent to detention, along with her bully.
0: When Carolyn Mayenza came to pick up Michelle and her sister from school and learned that Michelle was stuck in detention until later, She decided to allow Michelle to walk herself home afterwards. It was a decision she would forever regret.
3: Michelle left school by 3.15. She planned to make a detour on her way home to find the purse her mother had left at a Super Saver store in Goodman Plaza over the weekend.
0: Police believe Michelle likely never reached the plaza before she was abducted. Ten months after Wanda's body was found... 11-year-old Michelle Mayenza disappeared while walking the nine blocks home from school.
3: Carolyn Mayenza called police at 5.40 p.m. to report her daughter missing. After Carmen and Wanda, police feared the worst and acted quickly to canvass the neighborhood.
1: No, I can't say I've seen her before. Sorry. If you could just keep an eye out. White female, five foot one, 120 pounds, collar length, dark brown hair and hazel eyes. She was last seen wearing three quarter length purple hooded coat with silver trim, purple slacks with a zigzag pattern, and knee-high black boots. And we'll call if we see anything. Thank you, sir. Good luck. Hope you find her.
5: Ah, oh, he got another one. As the hours wore on,
0: the search widened to include the entirety of Monroe County.
3: It wasn't until 9 AM Wednesday morning, two days after she was reported missing that Michelle's body was found face down in a ditch along a side road in the township of Macedon, just across county lines.
0: She, too, appeared to have been tossed from a vehicle. Michelle's coat was found a half a mile from her body, so the killer probably either left it at the scene of the crime and disposed of her body elsewhere, or noticed it in his car after dumping her body
4: and tossed it.
3: Medical examiners from both Monroe and Wayne County performed Michelle's autopsy.
4: Good morning, Lieutenant Fentagrossi. I don't know if I'd call it a good one, Doctor. I suppose not in the literal sense, no.
6: What have you got for me?
4: Well, cause of death was strangulation with a smooth ligature. She was sexually molested and redressed afterwards. Several of the fasteners on her shirt appear to have been ripped off. She ate a cheeseburger within an hour and a half of her death, so presumably he fed her.
6: (laughs) Just like Wanda Walkowicz. Their
4: slayings are almost identical, yes.
0: For the third time in two years, a pre-teen Rochester girl had been raped, strangled and discarded on a rural roadside.
3: When the headline went up, the secret witness line was re-established.
0: Hundreds of calls poured in, but for the first few days, almost all of the callers were concerned with one popular theory. A pattern had formed in the minds of many. Sheriff's Department, secret witness. He's going after girls with double initials. Think about it.
3: Carmen Cologne, Wanda Walkowicz, Michelle Mayenza, they all have... Same first and last initials, and their bodies were all found in a town that starts with the same letter as their names. The
2: Walkowicz girl turns up in Webster, and Carmen Cologne in Churchville. It, technically,
7: Carmen was found in Riga.
2: Well near Churchville. The killer is obsessed with initials. He might be obsessed with those three letters specifically. See? See? W, and M. Those could be his own initials, or...
7: Thank you. It's an interesting theory, and one we're actually already looking into. You
2: should be looking into English teachers, linguists, lexicographers... We'll be sure
7: to do that, thank you. We do need to keep the line clear. And you
2: know those people in the mall who sell the initial jewelry?
7: Thank you, ma'am. Bye-bye.
2: Someone call the DNC and tell them to edit the witness line column to say we already know the damn theory about how the killer loves alliteration.
3: The first witness to come forward was a young girl who knew Carmen. Can you tell Detective Pisciotti what you told me, sweetie?
2: I saw Michelle when I was walking to my friend's house the same day she went missing. And she was walking towards the plaza, right? Uh Uh-huh. Then I saw her again when I was walking home, except she was in a car. It was going really fast and it almost ran into
1: another car. Did you see who was driving the car?
2: No, sorry.
1: That's okay. Do you remember anything about what the car looked like?
2: I don't know what kind, but it was a brownish color?
1: Beige. This is a very big help to us, Nancy.
0: And a big help to Michelle. Police appealed in the paper to the driver who was almost hit by Michelle's abductor.
3: While the motorist was located, she couldn't recall anything specific about the driver or the car, except that it was a beige sedan. However, there was another star witness to come.
0: When a man came to the startling realization that he may have offered help to Michelle's killer on the road.
3: It was a beige
7: car parked on the side of the road, and the trunk was open. I figure the guy has a flat or something, and he's got a young girl with him. It's about to get dark, so I pull up beside him and say, like, Hey, man, do you need some help? And he grabs the chubby girl, pushes her behind his back, and raises his fist at me. I drove away after that.
3: The witness couldn't recall anything further about the car and didn't see the license plate. What he did get was a good look at the suspect.
0: So the witness spent more than a day looking at mug shots and working with a police identification kit to construct a composite drawing of the suspect's face. But, according to the witness, the result didn't match the suspect he had seen.
3: Finally, with the aid of a criminal sketch artist... Police were able to get a likeness that satisfied the witness.
0: He described the suspect as being a white male, six feet or taller, slender, medium complexion with no facial blemishes, possibly three to four days beard growth with dark wavy hair that fell over his forehead.
3: The suspect was wearing blue jeans, a hip-length light blue quilted ski jacket, and a plaid shirt.
0: The day the sketch was published in the Democrat and Chronicle, Gilbert Cole was on duty as a security guard for, coincidentally, Gannett Rochester newspapers.
4: Can I help you, sir?
5: Yeah, um... Sir? I was wondering if there was uh, anything new, uh, any new information on the uh, <clears throat> the, Mich- uh, the Michelle Mayanza case?
4: Uh, wait one second. Uh, let me find the secret witness number for you. Here we go. Sir? Sir, where are you going? Hey! All right. All right, where did you go, you son of a- Hey!
3: Why would he? No way. The man who asked Cole for info was the same man depicted in the sketch on the freshly printed page.
4: Cole
0: said the man sped away in a light brown Ford Pinto. He didn't actually see the man enter the car, but was fairly certain it must have been the suspect who peeled out in the Pinto as no one else was nearby, and it would have been difficult to get away that fast on foot.
3: Cole described the man as being around 30 and bearing a striking resemblance to the sketch, including being dressed in the same quilted blue jacket.
0: The main difference was that Cole said the suspect was five foot seven or 8 as opposed to the first witness's estimation of 6' or taller.
3: But Cole sat in an elevated booth that would enable him to look down, even on a tall man.
6: A full week of nothing to go off of but a beige car, then we get not one, but two witnesses who can finally put a face on this guy. Looks like Santa Claus is real after
1: all, boys. I think we might actually get him this time. You're damn right we will.
6: Soon
0: afterward, the detectives received another early Christmas present in the form of a third witness.
3: The day Michelle disappeared, the woman had pulled into a Carol's drive-in beside a beige car. Sitting inside was a young girl resembling Michelle. The witness explained she had tried to get the girl's attention because she had the cutest little round face anyone had ever seen.
0: Before going into carols, the witness stayed in her car to listen to the end of a song on her car radio, just long enough to see the suspect walking out of the drive-in carrying a bag and cup.
3: Ah, the power of music.
0: The suspect got into the car, gave the bag and cup to the little girl, and drove off.
3: Michelle had only just been reported missing around the time the woman saw the man and the girl together. So she attached no significance to the event until she saw the sketch in the paper.
0: She worked with an artist to reproduce a new sketch of the man.
1: Look at that, they're twins. The eyes, the nose, the bone structure. Jesus, even the way the hair falls on his face.
6: To be fair, the same artist drew both sketches and the woman described the suspect after she had seen the first sketch.
1: You know what? No one likes a Grinch, Fennegrossi.
3: A major break in the case came again from the motorist who had offered the suspect help when he thought he saw the same man again and this time managed to take down the car's license plates.
0: Deputies picked up the car's registered
4: owner and brought him in for questioning. I'm here outside the Wayne County Sheriff's Department, where a suspect is currently being interrogated in connection with the rape slaying of 11-year-old Michelle Mayenza. The questioning is being conducted by Detective Captain Andrew Sparaccino and Lieutenant Anthony Fantagrossi. My requests for more information from authorities have been admittedly less than successful. We recorded a very brief interview, if you can even call it that, with Lieutenant Fantagrossi earlier this morning. We'll play it for you now. Is the suspect a Rochester local? Does the suspect fit the description provided by witnesses last week? Does he look like the sketches? Is there anything you can say about the interrogation?
6: It is taking place.
3: The police later released that the interrogation lasted nine hours. The man was
0: a native of Lyons, about an hour east of Rochester. He was in his mid 20s, unemployed, and divorced. He had a criminal record of some kind, but no sexual offenses were listed.
3: Despite being a few inches short of the witness descriptions, detectives believed the man bared a reasonable resemblance to the sketches.
0: The suspect was initially unable to account for his whereabouts on the day Michelle was killed, but was eventually cleared of involvement.
3: The suspect submitted to a lie detector, but was too exhausted for the test to be reliable and had to wait until the following day to take it. The polygraph was almost a formality, as police were already pretty satisfied that he wasn't involved.
0: The man was cleared entirely when the time stamps of two long-distance phone calls proved he could not possibly have had enough time to drive to Rochester to abduct Michelle.
3: The rest of the week proved equally disappointing for the group of detectives assigned to Michelle's case, which after the influx of witnesses had grown to over 50 officers, 15 of whom worked the case full-time.
6: Will someone turn that shit off? Frankly, I'm disappointed in the public. How can we not be getting calls from more folks who've seen this guy?
1: A lot of people have called in and said he looked vaguely familiar, but basically none of them could give the guy a name or a location or anything. <sighs> you know,
6: I'm starting to think maybe that sketch is doing more harm than good. How do you mean? It's been in every issue of the D&C for the past week and a half maybe people are starting to tune it out. The more I look at it, the less it starts to look like a real person, or it looks like a cartoon.
3: Meanwhile, a writer for the New York Times published an article on the double initial theory that proved extremely resonant and instantly reached a wide audience. Soon
0: afterward, the theory made national news media, where the case was sensationalized, and further not entirely correct similarities between the girls were observed.
4: A bizarre and inexplicable pattern of the crimes, that is the first and last name of each of the victims.
6: Moreover, each body was found in an outlying town, Churchville, Webster, and Macedon. All of them lived in rundown areas of Rochester's
5: inner city, and families receiving welfare in which the father was absent. Carmen
4: Cologne was known to have some mental disability. There is reason to believe Michelle Mayenza did too.
0: While this marked the beginning of national interest in the case, it was also the moment at which Carmen, Wanda, and Michelle were eclipsed by this theory, overshadowed by America's on-the-rise obsession with serial killers. And next week, we will see what fanned the flames of this obsession as police investigate a slew of new prime suspects, including a Rochester firefighter, a photographer, and a duo of serial killers known as the Hillside Stranglers.
3: Don't forget to subscribe to Unsolved Murders on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review, or tell us what you think on Facebook or Twitter at Parcast Network. A new episode comes out every Tuesday, and next Tuesday, we'll continue our investigation into the Alphabet Murders.
0: Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.
3: If we live till next time.
5: Unsolved Murders True Crime Stories is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Ron Shapiro and Kenny Hobbs, with production assistance by Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, Maggie Admire, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Unsolved Murders was written by Tony Zaccor. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tiana Camacho, Joe Hernandez, Meg Lambeth, Harris Markson, Nicholas Masu, Kina McEnroe, Menuna Ryan, Steve Pinto, and Vanessa Richardson. Unsolved Murders stars Wendy McKenzie and Carter Roy.